Welcome to A Deeper Conversation, Episode 2. This episode is entitled An Introduction to Brachos, Developing an Adult Relationship with God. If you'd like to be in touch with me, please feel free to email me at adeeperconversation120 at gmail.com. Now let's get started with the episode. So I want to say first and foremost, before I even get started with the conversation of Brachos, that I will not be poskening any Shilas here. I am not making any halachic statements about what people should or shouldn't be doing. I am just here to talk about, in this case, brachos, and really trying to help you and and really help me gain a better understanding of something that we say every single day, many, many times a day, often without even thinking or considering the power of what we have been given into our hands. And this is a very, very important, it's important for everybody, men and women, specifically for women, though, I have a lot of friends, clients, people that I've met over the years who find that, um, especially when kids are little and we're at that stage in life, that davening is a struggle. So very often what women will do, and again, I'm not making any halachic pronouncements here about what one is allowed and what is not allowed to do, but we'll say at least I can say brachos. So brachos is kind of like sort of the minimum that somebody will try to accomplish or a woman will try to accomplish if she's very, very busy. And I mean, regardless, I think that I feel like even though I I said before, I'm not saying any halachic pronouncements, but I think that for women, certainly this is not true for men. I feel comfortable saying that quality is more important than quantity when it comes to tefillah, when it comes to prayer. So if we are going to be making brachos, then it would be really great if we were understanding what the brachos were about and what the brachos mean. Now, I say this is an introduction to brachos because I'm just going to be talking about the first few words that introduce every single brachat, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam, right? Which we say, blessed are you, that's not really what it means, I'll get into that later. Hashem, our God, uh, King of the world. And every single bracha starts off with that introduction, and it is a very, very powerful short little phrase, and like I said, we have an opportunity a hundred times a day to say that. Now, obviously the idea is that a person is meant to say a hundred brachos a day, so that's a lot. If you daven shacharis and mincha, if you say the morning and afternoon prayer, you probably get to about like mid 60s, something like that. And then um, men obviously are also davening marv. Many women do not daven marv. I myself do not daven marv at this point in my life. I daven shacharis and mincha. But then you have food brachos. You have, if you bench, that's six brachos right there um, between washing, saying hamotzi, and then the uh, benching. You also have um, lots of Asher Yatsar opportunities. If you go to the bathroom a lot, women who've had children may have lots of Asher Yatsars during the day. Um, so hopefully we get to around 100, brachos, 100 times a day where we have an opportunity to say a bracha. Now, one of the reasons why I called the topic of this podcast Developing an Adult Relationship with God because I think that uh, bracha is a unique opportunity to really move past a childish connection with God. And let me tell you why. Hopefully, as a child, you learned how to say brachos. And so then if you learned how to say brachos as a child when you were a little kid and you put a, right before you put a piece of food in your mouth and your mother said, don't forget to say a bracha, maybe she said it out loud. So it becomes a habit. Now, there's good things and bad things about habit. The good things about habit is that if you develop a good habit, then you chances are you don't break it. If you develop a bad habit, Also, unfortunately, chances are you don't break it, or if you do break it, it's a very, very hard work, which is why one of the things that I do in my professional life is I really train people how to develop and maintain and sustain good habits. I'm very habit-focused when it comes to things like I, I, I work with women on emotional eating a lot, 
And a lot of that is just developing good habits, let's say around food, because those habits stay with you. The upside to habits is that we don't break them. The downside to habits is that the whole point of a habit is that it's something that we shouldn't have to think about. We just do it. So if my habit is that I get up every single morning and I go for a run and I have to do that every single day, it's going to be very hard for me to break it. But I make that habit so that I don't have to think about should I, shouldn't I fight with myself? It's cold outside. I'm not in the mood. I'm too tired. When something is a habit, we do it and we don't think about it. Now we want brochos to both be a habit, but also be something that we think about every single day. Now, if you're doing something a hundred times a day, and okay, many of us are not getting to a hundred, but certainly a lot of times during the day, it's going to be a challenge to really stop and think every single time, which is why I say that I think brochos is an opportunity to develop an adult relationship with God, because it's an opportunity to sort of stop and think, how do I want my interaction to be with God? How do I want my relationship to be with God? I speak to so many people who will tell me horror stories about things that happened when they grew up either with their parents or with their teachers, and sort of negative feelings that they had about either the religion or something to do with you know, their connection with Hashem, it was given over in a negative way, maybe in a very punitive way. And they still sort of have, they're playing out the same dynamic that is is going and lasting through since second grade till now. And at a certain point, point, everybody needs to stop and realize that they get to be in control of their own relationship with God. It's not their teachers and their parents anymore, but they need to confront God as a grown up on their own terms in their own way. Brechos is an opportunity to do that because it's something that's so ingrained um, and inbred in our very way of being all day long with food, with other things. I'm going to get into all those different things in a minute, but it's an opportunity to really talk to God on our own terms and developing and develop our own understanding and relationship with God. Now, so when we talk about brachos, there are um, there's a few different kinds. So the first kind of bracha, and again, this introduction is by way of introducing. Birchos HaShachar, which are the morning blessings, which we'll get started with in the next episode. But I do want to just talk about all the different brachos that we say throughout the day. So we have Birchos HaNanin, which is a bracha that we say before we enjoy any kind of pleasure. So food, let's say, which is the one we're most familiar with. So you make a Bore Pri HaEitz, which is a bracha that we say on fruit. So before you have a fruit, you make that bracha. I remember when I was a kid, they had, um, I don't even know if they still do this anymore. They had bracha bees. So it was kind of like a spelling bee, but we had to memorize and we would have a contest in school where we would get up and they would throw harder and harder foods at us um, to test our expertise with what bracha you say on which thing. Um, so then they throw like foods at you like a cheesecake, right, which is tricky because it's cake and there may be crust, but the main thing is the cheese. So do you make a shahakal? Do you make a mazonos? And they used to do these, it was like a national thing where they would have a bracha bee and I've been out of school for a long time. So like I said, I don't know if they do this anymore, but then it was like there was a citywide bracha bee and an in, like a national bracha bee that they would have as a way of encouraging kids to do their brachos. And again, this is another example of how our school system and our parents hopefully have ingrained in us that habit of making brachos and knowing brachos off the top of the, our hat. Like, you know a bracha to make. It's like all the brachos, all the tree nuts are ha'etz except for peanuts, which are hadama. And like you sort of are hopefully trained to just know that rule off the top of your head. Um, I actually have a friend who became religious later in life and we were um, sitting at a coffee shop and we ordered some food and she pulled out her card, her brachos card to look at all the food and she's like pointing to the different things on the plate 
and saying, okay, so this is broccoli quiche. It has broccoli in it. But do I make a mazonos? Do I make a hadama because of the broccoli? And she's trying to figure it out. And she's holding her card. And I remember feeling a little envious because if you don't learn your brachos as a child, then you are conf- forced to confront that experience as a grown-up for the first time in a way that can be a little bit more profound, let's say, than somebody who just kind of says it by rote, says it by habit. And you do feel, again, like you feel a little bit like, I wish I had as much mindfulness with saying my bracha. I said it and hear myself and think about it. And here she's sitting with her card and trying to figure out which bracha to say. Obviously, the best of both worlds is if you learn how to say them by heart, you know the rules. But then as an adult, you decide to be a little bit more mindful on your own, which is like hopefully what we're doing here. Um, but anyway, so a bracha that we say, is a bracha that we say before we enjoy a pleasure in this world. And basically what the bracha does is it gives us a claim on the goods that we have in this world. So um, in a way, it's not almost like asking permission or, or well, certainly what we're doing is we're acknowledging that God is the source of whatever it is that we're about to enjoy. So the food that we're about to eat, something that delicious that we're about to smell, whatever it is. Um, but Rabbi Bonner quotes the Rajba actually in his book, Hilchos Brachos, that he says that making a bracha actually sets into effect a mechanism called shefa, which is abundance. So when I make a ha'etz on fruit, with mindfully make a bracha on fruit, not just like without thinking, but if I'm really concentrating and I make a bracha on fruit, then what I'm actually doing is I'm causing fruit crops to become plentiful. And I'm, I guess in a way, if I have an opportunity to make a ha'etz, and I am not thinking about it, I'm not concentrating on that shefa, on that abundance, then I can be accused, I guess, of causing that abundance to be withheld from the world. So we have incredible power in our hands with that bracha. And like I said, it gives us a claim on the goods in this world by acknowledging the source of those goods and where they come from. On a side note, a little while ago, I was I had a session with a client who wasn't Jewish, and she was very stressed out about something about the environment. I don't even remember what the conversation was or why we were discussing this in session, but um, she was very um, environmentally aware and something was stressing her out about something. Maybe it was a fight with her husband. I don't remember. And she was talking to me about her attempts to like really be careful to not waste or to not I don't know, to recycle. Again, I don't even remember what it was, but she was, I remember she was stressed out about it. And she asked me, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm a religious person. So it's not that I don't think that we need to take care of the environment, because of course I do. And of course, I think we need to take care of the world around us. But my starting point is a little bit different, because as a religious person, the way that I view this world is that it is a gift from God to me, for me to enjoy, as opposed to me being an interloper, um, in the world causing damage to what would have been a perfect system otherwise. And that's kind of how we want to see the Birchos and Everything that we have, that it's a, all this abundance is a gift from Hashem. And a bracha is how we acknowledge that and almost like pay for what we're about to use from this world. Um, so, okay, so that's the Birchos uh, And then... Um, the other types of brachos that we say, there's a bracha that we say when we perform a mitzvah. So then if you have a mitzvah bracha that you're about to say before you do a commandment, so you're going to have that introduction, Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Malach Olam, it's going to be followed by Asher Kidshanu B'Mitzvah Vitzivanu. So anytime you do a mitzvah, you light candles for Shabbos, you shake a lulav, you eat matzah on Pesach. And what that does is it concentrates our thoughts on the purpose of the mitzvah, hopefully, um, 
and it makes us aware of what we're doing, why we're doing. And then there's like the third sort of general category of blessings, some of which our daily prayers fall under, which is um, praise, devotion, gratitude. And these remind us of God in, and sort of deepen our awe. According to the Rambam, they deepen our awe of Hashem when we're really concentrating on how we say these brachos. So now let's look at the words, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Malach Olam. And that, of course, is the introduction to every single bracha that we say. And I've mentioned several times already in this podcast that we hopefully want to hit a goal of 100 a day. Those 100, um, the 100, that number 100 isn't random. It, it's it's a remez, it's like a sign or a signal to this 100 sockets of silver that supported the Mishkan. So the Mishkan was the sanctuary, the temporary sanctuary in the desert, and there were 100 silver sockets. Now, if you think about what a socket is, by the way, it's a tiny little connector piece that attaches all the boards to it. I don't know if any of your kids play with like any connects toys or whatever, and you have these little socket pieces that connect one bar, two bars, and then you can make a shape out of the bars using the sockets to to attach each piece into the structure, right? And the sockets aren't necessarily something that you see, but you don't have a building if you don't have the sockets. You could have the most beautiful bricks or the most beautiful, you know, everything else you know, that's so big, but without the little sockets to hold everything together, you don't have a structure. And that's a little bit like what a bracha is, where it's those little things that we say every single day, but they create the structure for our day. And everything else kind of falls down if we don't have those sockets to connect us throughout the day in our relationship with Hashem. Okay, so the word baruch means bless. Um, and the, the what the actual word means, a brecha is a well spring, it's a spring. Now, when we say Baruch Atah, the usual in the, um, look in a, a sitter, like an uh, English commentary or whatever it is, an English translation, it'll say, blessed are you, which is actually not really what the words mean. We, God doesn't need our blessings. We don't need to bless God. God blesses us by giving us all the things that we have. But Baruch Atah means that we are acknowledging the fact that God is the source, the wellspring of the blessing. Right, that's actually what those words mean, and that's what we want to concentrate on when we say those words. Now, the word "ata" means you, and a bracha is a really unique opportunity in our prayers where we are actually speaking directly to God. You is a very intimate connection, right? Uh, a student will sometimes will talk usually to his rabbi, to his teacher in the third person. Even later on, in every single bracha we switch into the third person. So if you think of like, let's say, benching, right? Baruch HaTashem Lekinu Malachalam Hazan Esa'olam, right? Um, or um, Bore, who creates, right? Asher Kitshanu B'mtsosu V'tzivanu, who has blessed us. We immediately switch into a third person when we get into sort of the meat of the bracha, whatever it is. But when we first start that, acknowledge of the wellspring, that's an intimate moment where we're speaking directly to Hashem and saying, you, God, and I have a relationship with you, that's what that means, are the wellspring of every good thing that I'm about to have and the wellspring of my blessing. So, um, and I actually, maybe should have started this off first (laughs) before I started explaining the words, but I do want to say this, this is really important, um, just so you have a context of the scope of what we're saying, that the text of these brachos, Baruch HaTashem Lokinu Malachalam, was settled on by Ezra, um, Ezra Hanavi, Ezra the prophet, and the Anshaykhness Sagdola in around the year 350 BCE. So that's well, like 200, 2,500 years ago, something like that. Um, so, okay, so Baruch HaTah, so we recognize God as the, as the source of the blessing. Um, and then we say God's name, Hashem, 
which is Yud Vav K, that name specifically refers to God as the master and owner of all creation, and also to the idea of timelessness. Um, so meaning that God was, is, and will be. And then the word Elokeinu, the name of God that's Elokeinu, refers to God as the source of strength and powers. Now, all brachos have to have the name of God in them. Um, the next two words, Melech Olam, is the king of the universe. And a bracha that doesn't have a reference to Malchus, to the fact that God is the king, is not considered a bracha. Melech Olam, what that means is that um, whatever we're making a bracha on, not only did Hashem create it, and I guess even if we're talking about a mitzvah or even if we're talking about, I mean, you know, food brachos are the easiest way to sort of illustrate this, but you're making a bori priya eights, you're making a bracha on an apple. Hashem is the king of the world, so he is in charge of distribution and allocation of goods. That apple had a little sticker with your name on it, and it was delivered to your plate by God. You're having it in your hand, and before you're about to eat it, you're acknowledging where exactly that food came from and that it was directly a gift from God to you. So we need to have all those names of God in every single bracha, and every single bracha has those. So a person who really gets into brachos and really thinks about what they said, what they're saying, and I've seen this over and over again in the various sources, is that brachos are a way for a person to develop their fear of God. A person who allows themselves to be guided by brachos, basically what they're doing is that they're expanding their consciousness of the world around them, where everything comes from, the source of everything, and thereby deepens their relationship with God. I said in the beginning that I called this, um, I called, I, I titled this episode, developing an adult relationship with God, because that's what the act of making brachos consciously allows us to do, which is connect on our own terms with God. I mean, hopefully we have a foundation from our childhood that's very, very positive. I am in a position where I speak to a lot of people who, you know, sometimes have either negative associations or issues or problems, um, but lots of people have wonderful associations, and our job certainly as parents is to give that over to our children, and when we teach them our brachos, teach them what they mean, teach them how to say them properly, um, not to mumble their words. I remember years ago, by the way, in camp, um, this always stuck in my mind, and I, I don't even remember who said this, so apologies to the rabbi who was giving the speech, but he said, if you ever listen to somebody mumble a bracha, the way it works is the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, will force them to shmush the words of God. That's the part that, you know, usually they mumble through quickly or don't say clearly. So we teach our children and teach ourselves mindfully to say the words clearly um, think about what we're getting, what we're about to have. And this doesn't need to be a whole long process. I mean, if you think about it, you're saying 100 brachos a day. So that's a lot of time. <laughs> so you take a second before you make the bracha to think about what it is that you're saying. And that, again, allows you to develop a relationship with God on your own terms um, and ultimately develop and expand your consciousness of God, developing your fear of God. Um, in this world in a positive, uh, in a positive way. Um, just actually a quick note before I sign off on what fear of God means, because this is, seems like a good place and an opportunity to do that. Um, the idea of fear in God, um, one of the Bali Masar describes fear of God. Um, it says in Parak Beis and Tehillim, Gilu Barada, rejoice in trembling. So the image of fearing God is that of a child who is being held by his father. A father's dancing with his child on his shoulders. So while the father's dancing and having the most incredible experience, which is dancing with his child on his shoulders for one second, 
Not for one second does he forget what he's carrying on his shoulder and he's watching every step he takes. So fear of God is actually the highest state of joy that a person can be in. I, I think I'll probably develop this later. This was sort of an add-on as I was talking. It occurred to me to explain that word. I, I feel like sometimes when I say fear of God, over the years it's happened that people have asked me to explain that in greater detail or have responded in somehow a negative way because they don't really understand what fear of God means. So it'll be something, no doubt, as we talk about prayer that we'll get into um, but I hope that this introduction to brachos, brief though it is, will give you a better understanding of the brachos that you're about to make today. And again, just a few seconds of concentration before you say a bracha um, is will be trans- life transformative. And if you forget this bracha, you luckily have 100 opportunities a day to hopefully hit the next bracha up with a little bit more mindfulness. Again, if you'd like to be in touch with me, questions, comments, suggestions, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at a deeper conversation, one, two, zero at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And I will meet you at the next episode.